Uh, Simon Brown here, host of MoneyWeb. Now I'm chatting with Justin Clark, uh, COO at uh, Orbvist. Justin, appreciate your time today. Uh, talking property, although in, obviously in Orbvist's case it's sort of more syndication, but let's start sort of at the top end. And I suppose first question that any investor would have is, is why commercial real estate as, as an investment point anyway? Yes, hi uh, Simon and, and great to be online again with you. So yeah, commercial real estate, I think... You know, there are a couple of fundamentals that anybody who is in the commercial real estate space will tell you. And the first thing really is that commercial real estate is based on the value of effectively of the future income of that building. Mm -hmm. And it's less about the emotive inputs. You know, um, anyone who's bought a home will know that uh, you are influenced by a couple of things. One is uh, demand and supply. You know, if you think you're going to lose the house, you're more likely to put in an offer. And the second thing is if, uh, if your wife loves the kitchen, there's a chance you'll pay a higher price. <laughs> uh, of course, with commercial uh, uh, real estate, it's all based on future income. Of course, uh, you know, generally there's a mathematical uh, calculation. Uh, it's it's uh, the income of the building and the cap rates of the, that particular type of building in that area. So it's very defined. The other thing that I like about it is uh, it's underpinned by hard assets. Yeah, yeah. So ultimately, if you're building, if you're buying a, a a commercial building, it's going to cost more to build that building in a year's time than it cost five years ago when it was when it was effectively uh, built in the first place. So you know, underpinned by hard assets, that you get this really nice inflation sort of push. So you've got that security as well, fundamental value of the building, as well as the valuation based on the tenant that you have in that building and what they're prepared to pay you. And I guess, you know, for a lot of people online, Simon, it's about, you know, residential versus commercial. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think the other thing with the residential property for those person, people who buy to let, you rely very, very heavily on uh, short leases. And with commercial, generally your leases are much longer. And then, of course, your tenants are more likely to pay because they are commercial enterprises that depend very much on being in that particular building. So, yeah, I think those are really uh, the main reasons for me why you know, commercial real estate is just the thing. I, I like your point about leases because typically a residential is going to be 6, 12 months. A commercial is probably starting at 3 to 5 years to perhaps as, as much as, as 10. If we move to the, 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 the what, commercial real estate, you know, we've lumped it kind of together as one category. But truthfully, within that, there is multitudes of, of, of different types of, of, of uh, commercial real estate. Can you touch on some of those different sort of subcategories? Yeah, I, I think we, we generally call it residential or commercial, whereas in fact commercial is broken into a number of different industries. It's uh, industrial, which you can you can understand, or the, the bigger sort of factories or mini factories. Um, there's retail. Uh, retail is, is your shopping shopping mall. Mm -hmm. Hospitality is the uh, you know the, uh, the hotels, and um, I, I guess that goes as far as you know bed and breakfast and guest houses and things that uh, that you would sell on a on an income basis. So, you know, there's quite a lot involved there. I think uh, in the U.S., there's a lot of subcategories that are even bigger than our entire categories. So yeah. it's probably a good idea if we get into those. Uh, so multifamily housing has been, you know, the, one, of the, one of the favorites for investors. And what that is effectively is uh, it's a whole sectional title complex that will be owned by one particular um, institution and uh, you invest with that institution. Um, and that's very different from single res where you own, you know, the, the, the piece of property on your own or, or sectional title where you own your piece of that multifamily housing complex.
And then there's logistics, Simon. That's been uh, hot on the news. You know, everyone is looking mm-hmm. for logistics, and and of course, medical real estate, which is uh, which is the sector that that we hyper focused on. And your hyper focus is, is is geographically located. But if we step back, and you know, the, the world's a large place, and and typically people have home country bias. It's the market you know. It, it's where your pension is going to be predominantly invested. But if you're looking out to, from from, from you know, the moon, so to speak, where where do you look to invest? I mean, which part of the the 200 plus different markets that we have across planet Earth? Yeah, no, I think that's very important, and probably you know the one thing that that really us as South Africans need to do. In fact, that's not only restricted to South Africans. Mm-hmm. If you looked, if you looked, if you took a helicopter view and you looked down at uh, at the South African environment, there would be a very low probability that you would invest in long-term fixed real estate in South Africa. I'm afraid. I think mm-hmm. uh, you know that that that's uh, you know that that's it. If you have a look and you can be exposed to what's happening in the rest of the world, they just you know what Simon, there's just too many more secure and better options for you to grow your wealth and look after your money. I, I guess I can only, perhaps the best thing to do is to talk about why our investors are moving offshore because yeah. I hear that every day, you know, all day. Uh, the first, of course, is something we're all very aware of, stable political environment. You know, I guess uh, the rights would have helped put this in context, but um, on a granular level, you know, there's no escalating pressures from you know, radical increasing cost of utilities. You know, we don't have to take extraordinary measures to, provide alternative power, um, you know, transport net networks in a lot of the first world are, are, are pretty much glued in place. I'm thinking rail and, and underground and, and, uh, and the like. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's just generally poor medium-term growth prospects. There's low GDP growth, low income growth per person, which, of course, creates this, um, this big divide between rich and poor. And overall, just you know, poor growth fundamentals. I think there's a devaluation of the RAND. I think that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's another big one. And of course, let's not forget the very dangerous regulatory environment. You know, let's think about, you know, uh, expropriation without compensation, that bill that's uh, got a lot, of, um, a lot of air lately. And if we take a looking at it, I mean, we've talked around the, the different parts and the like. There are different ways for an individual, an investor, to get that exposure in, in terms of different uh, publicly traded funds, property funds, and the like. Yeah, listen, you know, as a as a South African, it's quite difficult to invest offshore. You can't necessarily just pop across and uh, get a bond and buy a buy a property or buy a house or a, a building. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a there's a lot of compliance, but there are easy ways and. Um, you know, Simon, you speak a lot of, of the REITs in South Africa. Uh, certainly, I have more expertise in the U.S., I guess. So, uh, if we have a look at U.S. REITs, for example, um, 90% of all the taxable income that that REIT earns has to be distributed to taxpayers. It's very, very uh, strict regulatory environment. Um, 75% of the cash or the assets of the, of the uh, REIT has to be in, in either cash Real estate or U.S. Treasuries, so there's there can be no you know there, there can be no speculative assets in there. Um, as I mentioned, you know it, it costs uh, several hundred thousand dollars to set up even a private REIT. You can get publicly traded REITs or private REITs, mm-hmm. and of course, you know it's very easy. You can get hold of your your stockbroker or your financial advisor and get them to get you some interest in REITs. I think um, one of the other things with REITs, obviously, is that the issue is that they tend to trade uh, relative to market sentiment. 
And uh, again, uh, you know, good one for you. We experience uh, this uh, very strange scenario where you've got fantastic uh, net asset value or lots of very good buildings sitting in a REIT where they traded a fraction of the, uh, of the actual um, value of those uh, underlying assets. Yeah, that, that market sentiment. I mean, it, 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 it's great sometimes, but it cuts both ways, of course. And, and then the, the last one, which is where the, the space which Orbvest is sitting in, which is a syndicated property. Talk us through the, that process and, 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 and the Orbvest attributes around that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think the problem that we set out to solve is uh, was originally predicated on high net worth individuals, property guys uh, from South Africa that were looking for offshore investment. Mm -hmm. And uh, so effectively, we looked at the sort of buildings that we would like to acquire. We looked at the fundamentals of, of what would be the perfect world for an investment in real estate. And that kind of funneled us into medical real estate. We do have Simon, as you as you know, you've interviewed him, Henny mm -hmm. uh, Bezaidenhout, who is our chairman and and, uh, and co-founder. And, uh, you know, he spent the last 30 years in South Africa building up this uh, very large portfolio of medical office buildings and hospitals. So we've got a significant amount of, uh, of IP in the space, so that certainly helped. But once again, we took a building, we acquire a building, and uh, this is a building that, probably normally would not be accessible to the average investor. Why? Because the REITs and the institutions would be acquiring it. Um, but because together we all form a bigger block and we can write out the bigger check, uh, we acquire this building. And then what we do is we just syndicate it. And I know that's not a, a great word in South Africa, but we do it in a very sophisticated way. We actually list that asset on a small exchange Mm -hmm. And you buy a share in that asset through holding a listed security. But the most important thing is you're actually buying a piece of that bricks and mortar. You actually can look at the leases. You can look at who, who the tenants are, you know, how strong they are, what parts of the building they occupy. You can look at the report of the, of the uh, condition of the building. Um, so it's a very secure investment in that you know exactly what you're in. It doesn't matter what the stock market is doing, provided you've got long-term leases in place, which is what we obviously have in medical, then uh, the economy is not really affected. Yep, and, and I can, if I happen to be in the States, literally go and, so to speak, kick the tires. We'll leave it there. That was Justin Clark, COO at Obvest. You can find them, obvest.com. You can go to the website, have a look around, send a message. Uh, otherwise, email Justin, justin at obvest.com. Justin, appreciate the time. Thanks very much, Simon.